Welcome, everyone, to Good Night and Good Game, your source for geek news for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, actor. Hello. And this week on the show, it is nothing but the news, baby. There were so many announcements that we had to take the whole episode to talk about just what was going on in pop culture. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Our Oculus and Fright Night double feature is up now, and we just got done recording our American Mary episode. Next week, we'll be recording uh, an episode about two episodes of Masters of Horror, including the classic Cigarette Burns, and you decided Jennifer was the other one, so anybody playing the home game, that's what we're going to be doing. I do want to give a special shout-out this week to our good friend Will. Um, He brought in a whole bunch of new equipment for the show. We are recording on new mics. We have new mixers. Um, We are doing a whole-ass thing here today. Yeah, we've got, and like, professional-ass audio. Professional-ass audio. Yeah. And he is here in studio this week taking care of us and recording all of these things live while we do it. So thank you very much, Will. We really do appreciate everything that you've been doing for the show. We both love you very much. And with all that out of the way, it is time for the Prelude. Prelude. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you got for me this week? I only got one thing for you this week. Only been, one uh, thing. Yeah, just one thing, because it's been kind of a long week. I guess, well, okay, I'll do two things, but one of them is very short. I've caught up on Rick and Morty as, it's, as the season has been going. That fucking show mm-hmm. has gotten so good. Like, it's weird because this season really hasn't at all been um, advertised. I haven't seen any advertising for it nope. everywhere. No. And the show has usually had a lot of purpose, pomp, and circumstance to it. Where, you know, people are like, oh, the new season of Rick and Morty is back. New season of Rick and Morty is back. I can't wait to see what Dan Harlan and Justin Roiland have, like, done. And I didn't even know the season was back until they had, like, two episodes in. So I'm caught up to episode six, and I have to say, so far, that has, there has not been a bad or even, like, lukewarm episode the entire season. They have all been pretty brilliant, and the very last one, which I will describe in short detail, is no exception. In this episode of Rick and Morty, the dinosaurs come back. And I don't mean, like, Rick brings the dinosaurs back through some wacky science or anything. They literally show up in spaceships because a group of them left before the meteor hit. Mm -hmm. And so they show up and it's like, what the fuck? Dinosaurs are coming out of a spaceship and they look out and say, what the fuck? Monkeys went bald. (laughs) And so they are a hyper advanced civilization of dinosaurs that have already taken care of everything and have colonized many other planets. They were sent as an expedition by their species, obviously millions and millions of years ago. And uh, they come back to see what a fucking mess we're making of everything. Which is a lot. And they ask, like, where are all of us? And we we don't know. They were gone before we got here, okay? Literally no idea. It's like, well, where are... uh, You should have known we were here. And we're like, yeah, I mean, there were were bones. And they're like, okay, where are those? Uh, (laughs) We didn't, like, make huge buildings and then put them on display as, like, Mm -hmm. macabre, you know, visions of your past. But anyway, it's just such a brilliant episode because there's so much going on in it because the dinosaurs basically show up and try and teach humans how everything they're doing is wrong and how they don't need to do any of this and then kind of just send them all on vacation. And they're like, look, you're doing it wrong. We'll provide the food and the energy and the shit. You can... Just take a break. Obviously, there's like, like, here's all the things you make. Obviously, there's a difference between gunpowder and butter. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can stop doing all of this shit that, that's bad 
And um, look, you like making Marvel movies. How many of these have you made? And an American general stands up and says, 29 and 14 on the way. And he's like, yeah, exactly. So just, just keep keep doing those. <laughs> it's it, It's been so good. And I know I said this would be short, but it turned out very long. But I just need you to understand how great this show has been this season. Mm-hmm. Second thing, only other thing I have, I started playing Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah, tell me about I that. I have never played a Dragon Quest game before, so this is my very first one. And I've always been told it's like one of the most wholesome and um, simple RPGs you will ever play. And that has not, that, that, has, that has been true consistently. I'm talking about a game where you literally start an RPG as a level one character, and you start off doing like one damage per hit and gaining like two experience per fight. But it ramps up quickly. You always feel like you're progressing. And apparently this is a big 100-hour RPG with like characters and kingdoms and politics and intrigue. I think I'm maybe like six hours into it. And um, it's just a lot of fun. It's very cute. It gives me options to avoid the parts of old JRPGs that may have been um, a little tiresome. Sure. Like it gives you the option to speed up the combat by like ten times oh, if you want good. to. It gives you the option to, you know, do you want it in English and Japanese or Japanese? Do you want, um, you know, how loud do you want the music? How loud do you want the sound effects? Um, do you want your party to act automatically, or would you like to control them? You know, how would you like the camera to follow your character? Just a bunch of quality of life features and an endlessly intriguing RPG that kind of feels like it's giving me something new like every hour or so. It's been very, very cool. And if you have the PlayStation um, Plus subscription, either on PS4 or PS5, I, it's either the second to highest or the highest level, this game is yours. You have it. It's 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 the definitive edition of Dragon Quest XI. Comes with a bunch of DLC that I think you needed to like pre-order stuff for. And it's great. I, I can't recommend it enough. And as I'm, you know, working towards God of War Ragnarok coming out in about three weeks, you know, I wanted to put some time in with my PlayStation again. And this has been great for it. Yeah. All right. Uh, over on my side of the world, keep it short, simple, and to the point, uh, we've been playing a lot of Overwatch 2. Mm-hmm. Um, we have re-entered the realm of being competitive Overwatch players. Oh, yeah. Which has been fantastic because you are a healer by trade and I'm a tank by trade. And yep. we are we are just a combination. We are forced to be reckoned with. And we have a third friend of ours oh, who's yeah. a DPS by trade working out very well. So that's been really fun. Plus the Halloween event is on right now. Having yeah. a blast with that. But in the Halloween spirit, I have been listening to a, hol- a Halloween audiobook. I've been listening to Shirley Jackson's Haunting of Hill House. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, cool. so the original OG version of the story. Um what I can say about the story, because it's a piece of classical literature, is that when you base your name around something, whether that be a book or a restaurant, if if the thing is in the title, I expect the thing to be good. So like if you're like the greatest tacos of all time, mm-hmm. I want to show up and there's the greatest tacos of all time. When you yeah. call it the haunting of Hill House, I want the house to be the experience of the thing. Yeah. And I will say, and I realize I am talking about a book that is like twice as old as we are put together, Mm -hmm. but Shirley Jackson's writing on the house itself, she doesn't spend as much time on the characters. The characters are obviously important and we, there's a lot of dialogue between the characters, but every time that she talks about the house itself, it is visceral Mm. like you can picture the angel statues that are above the fireplace. There's, there's a reason why 1999's The Haunting is one of the best versions of The Haunting of Hill House. I could literally picture that in my mind. That was somebody who read this book and yeah. got an architect mm-hmm. and made them do the thing. So absolutely fantastic. 
I do highly recommend, especially because it's spooky season right now. Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing that I've been watching is Shudder's The 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments of All Time. Oh, that's still going, isn't it? It is still going. It just wrapped up this week. Oh, I nice. watched the final episode last night. Number one was fantastic. Absolutely deserves the number one spot. Mm-hmm. I will say that the cheat to this series is that it starts off being like the 101 scariest movie moments of all time, where they talk about like one specific moment. When you get to the like 20s or so... They're like, here's like the several moments that were scary. So like in the the top 15, mm-hmm. the thing shows up. Ah, uh, yeah. And they're yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so we can't talk about one thing in the thing. We're going to talk yeah. about these like three things in the thing. Yeah. And, and you know what? Deservedly so at that point. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the thing is like the, the whole experience is, is, is the thing. Yeah. yeah. So I, obviously I've always been a sucker for um, growing up watching a lot of like scariest moments of all time things like amc used to do it sci-fi channel used to do things like this it was just here's a numbered list of horror things that you would probably like that shit is my shit yeah and like the shutter doing the 101 scariest like horror movie moments of all time it just was it was meant to be and every single episode has been absolutely fantastic i think this week we'll actually wrap up the final episode of the queer for fear series Mm -hmm. on shutter also, I uh, uh, highly recommend, please do watch that because it is about like just queer creators in the horror space and so many that we didn't know were so important, like absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend for that. But yeah, that's what I've been doing this week. That is everything that we have for the prelude. We are going to sh- take a short break and when we come back, we'll be going into our main segment. We are not doing boss room this week. We are purely the news when we go into the weekly raid. <laughs> The Weekly Raid. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It is time for the Weekly Raid, your news roundup for this week's Geek News. Kicking things off this week, The Conjuring 4 has been announced. The team behind the mainline Conjuring films, that being James Wan and Peter Safran, remember that name, we will come back to it, Mm. are returning to work on the project. So they are the ones that, that that handle the mainline entries of the series. The okay. side stuff, like The Nun and all that, that's all done by another group. Yeah. But James Wan and Peter Safran specifically always do the mainline entries to the Conjuring franchise. Okay, okay. So this is still a series that I've never seen a single entry in. They're, they're just, you, you, I, so there's a thing with, with, with Flanagan where, like, when he tells a ghost story, it, he, he's trying to say something to you about life and death and everything else. Most stuff about ghosts and demons to Mm. me is just like, we're going to spook you with a ghost. I don't, I don't fucking care about ghosts. They're not real. They can't, they're not, that's not how consciousness works. It doesn't float around in the air. It's not how energy works. Energy is the measurement of the potential to do work. It's not an invisible cloud of magic. Uh, Yeah. So, so I don't fuck with, you know, demon and ghost stuff, Mm -hmm. but tell me about these movies. Yeah, The Conjuring is actually a really good series. I think they are consistently well done. Mm-hmm. And James Wan's earlier stuff that I actually had wanted to show you, things like um, Insidious, very, very definitive good horror. Okay. So even if you're not into things like demonology, mm-hmm. it it just presents it in a way that you is enjoyable and does give you the spooks and has a couple jump scares and there it is. Okay. So and it, I think I've seen some. I've seen a bunch of James Wan movies, obviously, yeah. just probably not many of the horror ones. Yeah. Which is what he's the most known for. Yeah. But I'm glad that he's coming back to the franchise and really working with his producer on that because the Conjuring films, for better or worse, are good horror films. How dare you disparage Aquaman that way? <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I haven't seen fucking Aquaman. Yeah, I know most people haven't. 
All right. Bankside's, Bankside Films in the UK have acquired a horror film from debut director John Bell, and it sounds really fascinating to me. It's called The Mugai, and I hope I'm getting that name right. So the premise is, quote, a young Aboriginal couple brings home their second baby, which should be a joyous time takes a sinister turn as the baby's mother starts seeing a malevolent spirit that she is convinced is there to take her baby. According to Bloody Disgusting, this movie is supposed to explore postnatal depression, mm-hmm. transgenerational trauma, and also something called Australia's Stolen Generation, uh. which was Aboriginal and Tory Strait Islander children who were removed from their families between 1910 and 1970. Mm-hmm. And these are some deep fucking cuts. Yeah, this is a uh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's a uh, like, like uh, yes, postpartum depression. There's this thing where um, horror can get a little too real, and then people just find it oppressive, and then they say it's political somehow, even though it really is horror. Yeah. And I really like this approach. I'd love to see more of this, especially from an American lens. Mm. I'd love someone to make a horror movie about the. the We're you getting know. from an Australian lens. Oh no! Exactly, is... exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and yeah. That what I was going to say is that like the stuff that happened to the Aboriginals absolutely happened to the natives here. We just discovered, I think it was last year or the year before, in Canada, like a graveyard of native children behind a mm. Catholic school. Yeah. Like this is stuff that has been happening forever, all over the world, wherever there used to be brown people and now there are white ones. This happened. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that. Yeah, I, I love this as a tap into like horror because whenever you give me horror about people, that's when I'm really in because, you know, it's, it's believable. It's there. Absolutely. Every single bit about this rung like I want to see all of this, especially the fact that it was rooted in like a very real thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Like every single bit of this, I was just like, oh, and this is like the director's first go at this. Yeah. Cool. This is He's there's gonna be a long career here. No, this sounds you fucking know? awesome. I love it. Uh, yeah, and, and and the thing about like Aboriginal stories, especially if you put them in like 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 set them in like uh, uh, what would be the Australian colonial times, the times when they were colonized by by a bunch of British people. Um, that that is uh, you know that absolutely rife with all kinds of horror, body and otherwise. Yeah, uh, we are of course gonna keeping on the horror train. We are gonna be getting another Saw movie. Uh, it was confirmed this week after being absent from Spiral, the Book of Saw, that Tobin Bell will be coming back as Jigsaw for the next film. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, I, I love these Saw movies. I Haven't they killed him like eight times? At least. I'm <laughs> pretty sure he died at the end of the first movie. Maybe <laughs> the second one, and then again in the fourth one, and so on and so forth. But I don't care. I, I watch these movies for the weird Rube Goldberg killing machines, because I find them very fascinating and sometimes kind of funny. Yeah. And I watch them for the melodrama and the gore. And, watching- and a surprisingly consistent plot. Yeah, a surprisingly consistent plot and, like, a surprisingly consistent tone. Like, these movies, for whatever they are, uh, they're a franchise that I can watch every entry of and never feel disappointed Mm -hmm. because I was never 
appointed in the first place. It's not like the first one was some kind of fucking masterpiece. Right. And then the second one was like, you know, Batman and Robin. No, they were all basically Batman forever. And that's fine. Consistently Batman forever. Yeah. It works. Sometimes you just want to eat some popcorn and watch some blood. There you go. Let's get into some more serious topics here. James Gunn, the writer of the Guardians of the Galaxy films and a lot more, is now the co-CEO and co-chair of DC Studios over at the Warner Brothers uh, Discovery Channel. Um, he will be working with Peter Saf- uh, Safran, who we just talked about earlier, mm-hmm. um, who has produced films and shows that Gunn has worked on, such as The Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. Um, and Kevin Feige of Marvel Studios said, quote, I will be the first in line to see anything that he does. Goddamn right. And so I'll, let's yeah. talk about this. I mean, James <laughs> Gunn went from being canceled online to now the head of DC Studios. My, 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 how the turns have tabled. <laughs> we have a person who the right wing literally tried to get canceled as a, like, a, a, as a backlash to counter, to, to ca- cancel culture. I'm using that in air quotes because it's not real. It's just called being, you know, responsible for what you say to, in the public. And by responsible, I mean we don't all have to listen to your bullshit, and we can stop buying your things. That's that's just how that works. It's just be called. It's just you know the the consequences of your actions. There's no such thing as cancel culture. But what they tried to do is they tried to highlight very directly at Disney some of his old tweets in which he was working for Troma and making very very out there very dark jokes not about anything he himself would ever do but you know trying to be as edgy as possible because we've all been that person when we were kids and especially if we worked in an environment that fostered it regardless Disney reacted quickly to fire him and this was I believe like nearly just after Guardians 2 maybe a year after but anyway so we went from there to him to going to work for DC and as soon as he started doing that Marvel was like uh maybe he um what if he makes a good movie and guess what the fuck James Gunn did James made the best movie that DC has put out that is true the Suicide Squad is the best like by a lot James Gunn's Suicide Squad is the best movie that has had a DC Pictures moniker on it. So, yeah, then Disney was like, can you please come back and do Guardians 3? If that one flops, everyone will blame us, and you didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I mean, for money. (laughs) And they're letting him do a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, so there's that too. So, you know, bathe in all of his winning, because now not only did he get hired back by Disney, he's the Kevin Feige of DC. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, because he fucking loves these characters and these worlds. And again, much like Feige, I will be first in line for anything that he makes, whether it's DC or not. I am super excited for all this. He, it is so well-deserved. He has, he is the, the story of fighting his way from the bottom and now he's here. Yeah. Like trauma is like the the, yeah, the, the c-list the, of the c-list the, movies. The, these were like the underground level b movies when like b movies were more like a movies mm-hmm. you know when you could be like oh yeah did you watch ninja warrior 5 and some people would be like yeah like, did you see trauma's toxic avenger what the fuck are you even talking about <laughs> yep. where would you even find that yep Is that like some underground porn shit it's like no it's just a trauma <laughs> movie man they just like horror and practical effects yep Speaking of DC, some big changes have been made to the proposed upcoming live action adaptation of the Green Lantern series. The first draft of the eight episode series was going to be based around the first.
first Green Lantern, Alan Scott, and fan favorite Guy Gardner. All of that has now been scrapped, and they are going to be basing the series around Jon Stewart, who is a marine engineer. Jon Stewart is also a beloved Green Lantern, and everybody's hoping the show will get back on track soon. Um, yeah, Green Lantern show. So here's the thing about the Green Lantern show that I didn't put in the notes. The original cost for making a Green Lantern show was basically uh, Game of Thrones money. Yeah, as it should be. And they went, that's a lot, though. It is. It's so much. So we're going to dial that back a little yeah. bit. So now who's making this again? So it's, it's is this the, the CW. The, no, no, this is going to be like. Like the HBO Max Warner Brothers oh, division. Oh, the probably the same people yeah. doing Superman and Lois. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and that's, you know, so they, they're obviously putting money into Superman and Lois. And I still can't recommend that show enough. If you haven't watched it, watch Super it. Awesome. You should absolutely watch it. It's wonderful from beginning to end. It's really good. Su- it's really good Superman. And I don't think I've said that since, like, the first season of The Adventures of Lois and Clark. Like, like it's just good Superman. They're They're giving good Superman. So, you know, I, I like those people and the budget is good enough for Superman because the effects all the effects all involve him just moving through space yeah. and like flapping in the wind. He doesn't have to do anything interesting or clever when he hits someone. They have to react like he's very strong mm-hmm. and he has to be able to float in midair. These are the effects for Superman. It's, it's not that big of a deal. The Green Lantern can just create things with his brain. And and they come out of his ring in a projection. This is hard. Ask Ryan Reynolds. (laughs) That's true. There is a lot of CG involved in literally anything he does. There's a reason why nobody's ever talked about doing an actual film adaptation of my favorite Green Lantern, Mm. who is Kyle Rayner, who is an artist. Ah, yeah. Like, literally his whole arc was the fact that he's a Green Lantern and also an artist. Yeah. Yeah, no, that sounds fucking amazing. I love that. And yeah, that would probably be really, really expensive. That's like to more make than well. Game of Thrones money. <laughs> yeah, no shit. That's like Rome money, man. Like, yeah. Uh, what can I say? Every time one of these shows comes out and they don't commit to the special effects, you get stuff like early Flash, where you're digging the acting and you're digging the the plot if they do those things well. But uh, the, all the special effects they're using are just a little too TV. Yeah. And that's what I worry about for something like the Green Lantern, because I feel like a show like that is probably going to live and die on its effects. Oh, absolutely. So, it absolutely does. So, I mean, I, I, I'm crossing my fingers because I want it to be good because I love Green Lantern stuff, but, like, please just spend some money. Yeah. Like, like and, and, and give the artist some time. Yeah, absolutely. Also in DC News, Henry Cavill has confirmed this week that he will not only be reprising his role as Superman, but that he will be playing Superman in any projects going forward for DC. Sweet. He's really good. Yeah. I I, I like him as Superman. I'm happy for him. Yeah. You ready to uh, get a little angry here, actor? Oh, yeah. I like to put the fun ones in before we get (laughs) to the serious stuff. All right, let's break down your childhood, actor. Here we go. James Cameron was interviewed this week by the New York Times. Over the course of the interview, he talked about how the characters in Avatar in the new film have grown and matured since we last saw them. And then turned the discussion to superhero films. Quote, So for me, as a parent of five kids, I'm saying, what happens when those characters mature and realize they have a responsibility outside their own survival? 
But I look at these big, spectacular films, and I'm looking at you, Marvel and DC. It doesn't matter how old the characters all are. They all act like they're in college. They have relationships, but they really don't. They never hang up their spurs because they're kids. The things that really ground us and give us power, love, and a purpose, these characters don't experience it, and I don't think that that's the way to make movies. Okay. How do we talk about this? Um, How do we talk about this, Hector? Because uh, you love James Cameron and Avatar. I do, I do. And you know what? For the most part, the, 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 there's... I, I yin-yang this shit. I, I agree and I don't agree largely with everything he said. Um, he's right about the shallowness of the writing. These characters hardly ever age. With the exception of Tony, no, nobody hangs up their spurs. Um, you can't even say that about Captain America. He literally lived like a, a whole life of adventure and then went back in time to li- have everything else he ever wanted. Right. Um, uh, they, yeah, characters rolling in and out of relationships. Um, very few of them wrestle with the actual responsibility their power brings them outside like, of spider-man who they're always telling maybe slow down and do less i don't know i feel like quantum mania is going to be a little bit more heavy in that department maybe i don't know I, well the thing about quantum mania is that 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 technology could literally save millions of lives a day like, yeah. like that that technology could change the world but he uses it to shrink and like fly up thanos's asshole right uh, you know i uh, so, so in that sense, I agree, but also comic books that end up dealing with that shit either end up ending the characters mm-hmm. or disempowering them somehow. Comic books need time to grow and age in their stories and in their characters, and I know we've been doing this for fucking 11, 12 years now, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we in, in, in that much time, we've seen in, in 11 years, we saw Tony Stark on the big screen, which probably the character we saw the most— Less than a dozen times, L- less than less, probably less than half a dozen times, uh, if you count each movie as a single instance. So it's not like we're spending enough time with these characters, not like the decades and like multiple threads of storylines that we've seen with comic books to where we can get to the point where it's like, let's find one who's a lot more adult. Let's have one deal with some real heavy adult shit that like forces them to make a change because that's what adulthood is right it's like learning to balance yourself um so yeah maybe i understand his frustration um the quote seems a little ungenerous for someone who also makes very very large movies for a living mm-hmm. um I almost wonder i would have to go back and read the article to understand the context of whether he decided to talk about Marvel movies specifically, or if he was so directed con- with a question. The con- in the context of the articles that I read, because I, I pulled yeah. up a couple of quotes here, was that he was kind of talking about how the characters in, in Avatar um, have evolved and, and become adults, and, and how the, there's a, ma- a maturity and an evolution of the characters versus things like superhero movies where those characters don't seem to go through that change. And, and you know, that feels very cool. Um, I, and I honestly cannot wait to see the second Avatar movie, like, like at all. I'm so excited for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to weigh in on this a little bit. I'm really fucking tired of other writers and directors talking about the Marvel formula. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm tired of it. Like, like everybody who wants to step in and be like, oh yeah, like I'm just going to shit all over Marvel. Well, I'm sorry because 
you know what? These are movies that bring people fucking happiness yeah, yeah, in their no, lives. So. I, I feel like every director forever from now on, when asked or needing to reference a Marvel movie, should either say, I don't watch them, I don't know, or I watch them, I like them. Or they're not for me, but I respect everyone who makes them because it's a lot of fucking hard work. Those are your answers. That, those are, that's literally all you should say about anyone else's yeah. franchise ever. Yeah. And, and anytime a journalist like wants to like stick their nose up your butt and be like, okay, okay, but what do you feel like about this movie? Because it's similar to yours. Tell them to fuck themselves. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really great horror writers and directors that I follow that when quotes like this come out, they will literally like quote it on Twitter and go, there's a reason why I don't bash other writers and directors. Yeah. Like I, I, I will say positive things about other writers and directors on Twitter, but when it comes down to it, if, they, if I have a negative thing to say, I keep it to myself. I don't want to have these discussions. I don't want to have these discourses because honestly, people's opinions are their own. Yeah. And, and one man's trash is another man's treasure. Exactly. And some of us really love really bad movies. And some of them, you know, some people love excellent movies and are, you know, pretentious pricks about movies that they think are bad. If everyone can just learn a, to dislike things while still respecting them. Yeah, please. Yeah, like like for the love of fuck. And B, to also, like, just chill and talk about the other people who do what you do generously. And I know that... Movies we, are magic. Yeah. It, it's millions of years of evolution that make us a competition-based species, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, maybe we can all chill. Maybe yeah. we can all chill and just make what we like and hope other people like it too. And I know we and involve you don't money have to in like it, everything. Up, but you don't have to like everything. You like what you like. Yeah. Let's talk about things that you may not like. And that is that the Horizon Zero Dawn Amazon show project now has a new working title. It is called Horizon 2074. That title means to kind of place it before the events of the original game. So we will be getting a series about the you know, Horizon Zero Dawn series before that happens. Right. So um, just to catch everyone up, Horizon Zero Dawn is a video game in which you wake up. Post-post-apocalypse, uh, right? Yes, yes, post-post-apocalypse. You, you wake up, you know, and you're the, this young outcast girl named Aloy, and you have been trained by the only parent you have ever known who is not actually your father. Um who just taught you how to survive in the wilderness. And this wilderness is packed with crazy fucking robot dinosaurs. And that's not that, you know, that it's just a robot dinosaur. It is an animal dinosaur, reptile, um, some mammals, but the thing is they're all machines. They're all machines and they're robots and they look like they were put together by something, but they just roam the land doing pretty organic stuff like, you know, moving, you know, rock formations to plow rivers and fertilizing water and, uh, and, and, and grass and oceans and everything else. You know, it's, it's very strange. And you spend the entire game figuring out what happened and how you ended up here through Aloy's eyes, which is basically learning about the ancient past and about the world that came before that she sees evidence of in dilapidated and, you know, burned out buildings but uh, and, and they're not like buildings like you would see in like The Last of Us. They're literally like completely dilapidated husks like you would see in a thousand years of age, not like, uh, you know, 20 or 50 or something. So what they're doing with this show is they're going to l give you that shit. They're going to give you 
the story that Aloy learned in like audio recordings throughout the entire like 60 to 80 hour open world RPG game. Essentially the hints of what happens yes. in the story. Be- yeah, because you know they're, they're making yeah. the subtext text at that point. Right. And you know what? I feel like this is a really good idea because it would be really hard to make a game uh, to make a TV show um, with one character who's almost always by themselves running around hunting very expensive looking CGI creatures um, and shooting them with bows and arrows, which is just more CGI. So I, I really like this approach because it will probably give them the area to make a really good show and hopefully figure out how to adapt that into something if we decide to catch up to the present. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you're on board with it. It seemed yeah. a little bit weird when I read about it, but you are the resident uh, Horizon Zero Dawn fan in the room, oh, so God, I wanted to get yeah. your opinion about it. But let's talk about something else that you love, and that is CG Project Red. Yeah. CG Project Red has finally revealed what the Canis Majoris project is. Turns out they are teaming up with Polish studio Fool's Theory to remake the Witcher 1 in its entirety using Unreal Engine 5. This was a game that came out in 2000. 2007. The game is currently in its early stages of development. The head of CD Projekt Red said, quote, collaborating with Fool's Theory on the project is just as exciting as some of the people here have been previously involved with the Witcher games. They know the source material well, they know how much gamers have been looking forward to seeing the remake happen, and they know how to make incredible and ambitious games. And although I know it will take some time before we're ready to share more about the game, I know it'll be worth the wait. Hector, why is this important? Uh, well, let's see. Um, this is a game. It is definitely a game. That absolutely... And if you've ever even laid eyes on the original, you'll 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 agree with me. Absolutely does need a remake. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't like uh, you know, it's not The Last of Us. It's not you know. Some people would say even Resident Evil Four at this point. Yeah. This is a game that if you went back and tried and played it, it is janked out. It is even if you play it on GOG, there is a lot of jank to this game. It has a lot of really questionable mechanics. Um, not only when it comes to like potion making and fighting and RPG style stuff, but there's a fighting um, is a rhythm game. Fighting is a weird, weird rhythm game you do with your mouse that you do with your mouse. And there is a, you know how in mass effect you can talk to a bunch of people and have several romance options. The wizard decided to do this as well because canonically Geralt is a bit of a whore. He sleeps with everyone just for fun. And people find him attractive because you know, he's he's hot. Yeah, very much Vampire Hunter D. Now that I've read some of the Witcher books and then I've also read the Vampire Hunter D books, they place a very specific emphasis on his hotness. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean he's Henry Cavill. Like, like, like what do you got? Everyone wants to boing him. And from, you know, chimpanzee A to chimpanzee. Like, like, like <laughs> every creature all the way through and all the humans, they, they all they all want to bang this character. So you 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 get that. And this game really needs to be remade because the sex mini game was all it was a this and, and I just gave it away. This sex mini game had collectible cards. When you slept with a character, you got a little card with like some stats on it, and and you would collect that and you could look look through it later. It's, yeah. I, I I I don't know if it's going to make it into the game, and I am neutral on whether or not it should, but it's there. And I guess we'll see. And I hope they don't mention. I hope they refuse to talk about it until the game is launched. <laughs> honestly, 
But I'm very excited for this because this is a game with some really good lore and some really interesting storylines and quests. There's some cool shit going on in this game. And behind a hundred foot tall double layer reinforced brick wall of jank and graphics that have aged very, very poorly and game design because of the ambitiousness that aged very, very poorly because you just load into every single zone you go to. It's just... I would never recommend anyone play this game. If someone played The Witcher 3 and said, I want to go back and play the first two, I would say, do not play the first one. And let me know if you need help with the second one. Well, fuck you, because you made me start with two. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if you quit (laughs) because the game i did quit because it glitched out yeah it's got a lot of fucking jank too that game is uh, just quote joseph anderson that game is burnt like in a (laughs) weird way that game feels like it was finished and then overcooked a little not that it has too much in it but just like some things just don't work the way they should i don't know but yeah uh, uh, anyone who's seen any unreal footage uh, any footage of unreal engine 5 like working and demos out in the world know how photo real it can get and like how robust of a creation i'm still not convinced that it's a game engine i'm convinced they just walked outside and filmed things yeah and then said that's a game engine yeah yeah no for real it just it looks a little too good so i mean yeah i i can't wait to see what these studios do with the witcher um especially because they're working with another polish studio i feel like there's a lot of potential there to really nail the aspect that need to be completely reinvented like for art literally all of the art in the game um for systems and mechanics if they want to write them to be more like book friendly and more friendly to the witcher 3 that'd be great too i don't know there, there's a lot of potential here and i can't wait to see it i really can't all right but i want them to wait to show it to me until it's done yeah this is just the initial announcement yeah please like please work off. on this for five years if you want to i don't care just don't 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 ruin anyone's life by crunching them and and just make a good game release a good game a game preservationist calling themselves Kirkland has scanned every U.S. PlayStation 2 game manual in 4K and has placed them on archive.org. The project took years and about $40,000 to complete. Uh, Kirkland wanted to raise awareness for game preservation efforts by doing this project. That's really fucking cool. Like, like I, that's super, super cool. I imagine that there will be a whole group of people out there who get into emulation and you know go through that playstation library and knowing that you know the 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 cd came with a booklet and they can just look up a 4k scan of that booklet online that's fucking awesome i want to go in there and actually see the 4k scans of like the silent hill like two and three books um uh, but it's so good metal gear solid one for me oh metal gear oh metal Metal gear solid it's just solid metal gear solid well i mean these were all playstation 2 so it would be metal gear solid 2 that you would get for that two would be fucking excellent as well yeah um, so there's only a couple more things for us to talk about this week, but they are very heavy. So let's dive into them. The first thing I want to go over is all of the Bayonetta drama from the last couple weeks. Yeah. This is something that I've been wanting to talk about, but I wanted to wait until there was more information to come to light. Um, it's been a very confusing last couple weeks for this whole thing and we'll break it down for you. Uh, but there's finally enough information out there and I feel like that we can discuss this with actual like in like factual information and yeah. not just hearsay, which what that is what we try and do on this show. We do not tar- try and talk about rumor speculation. We try and talk about like what is actually going on. Yeah. So, for the sake of time, I'm going to give you an abridged timeline of what has happened with this game. So, Bayonetta 3 was released. 
Then Bayonetta's former voice actress, Helena Taylor, took to Twitter to tell fans that she was only offered 4K to reprise her role as Bayonetta. And mind you, there have been two games in the series so far. Mm -hmm. And this got the fan base really riled up and even attacking the new voice actress, Jennifer Hale, and Platinum Games themselves. I do want to note here um, that uh, Helena Taylor did not actually provoke fans to do this this was just a thing that right. fans of bayonetta did because she, the internet she did, is gross. she did in her original message call for a boycott of the game but she certainly didn't it. ask for anyone to you know take to the streets and you know sharpen the pitchforks right so the new voice actor jennifer hale simply stated that she could not discuss what was going on as she was under nda mm-hmm. then jason schreier of bloomberg investigated all of these claims, finding multiple sources and documentation that stated that the previous voice actor, Taylor, was offered between uh, three and four K per session up to five four hour sessions. But Taylor wanted six figures for her work. Mm -hmm. Taylor then denies there was any talk about a higher figure and that she had requested specifically $250,000 for her work, but was denied. Fans are now siding with the new voice actress and are no longer on a boycott of the Bayonetta campaign. This entire debacle has brought up questions about, how, A, how voice actors are paid, and if it's a fair wage, but also a question of, was the lying hurting these discussions about whether or not voice actors should be getting paid better because the common discussions being brought up about this is that if you're an actor in a movie, you get at least some kind of residual from the work you do. Yeah. Whereas in voice acting, that is not a thing that you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I want to, I'm going to start with the, um, with the, with the lying, with uh, the not giving us all the information up front, um, because it sucks. It's a shitty way to start this conversation because it definitely is a conversation that needed to be had. If you tell me that if she tells me that she was offered $4,000 to do the role, I believe her because why wouldn't I, I would believe any, uh, working human being over any cor- corporation that puts out a press statement through a PR firm, they're being paid to lie. So why, why would I? Um, then to find out that, you know, we, we didn't get any information that was useful from either side and you had to get like a third party as Jason Schreier broke the news and he's like, I'm pretty sure I know what the offer is. It wasn't what she said it was. Uh, yeah, that, that just makes things more and more complicated. There's this, you know, my, my instinct is to believe the person who says this company is fucking me over and I still think they are. But w- w- if you exaggerate, uh, it, it just makes the whole the, the whole conversation feel less credible. Um, but that's all I really have to say about that. I don't have anything against Helena Taylor. I think she could have done this better. I think she could have handled the backlash better. And I don't know, generally um, anyone on the internet who decided to go and harass another working actor for taking a job can, can fuck themselves. Get out of video games. Go go learn to play guitar or something. Like, like just go away. Um, but then there's a part about how voice actors don't get paid enough, right? Yep. Because they fucking don't. Um, I don't know if her work was worth 
a quarter of a million dollars. I don't think it's out of the question, considering what most actors get paid to make games in the double A and triple uh, to in the double A and triple A movie space. Mm-hmm. Um, even just for voice acting on any kind of Disney project, and we're talking about a movie, which is usually much much less voice acting than you would do in a video game if it has any length at all, and you are anything like a main character. Now, let's not forget, even if you add up all the money that they did offer Helena Taylor. For Bayonetta 3, it comes up to like $20,000, $25,000 at the very most. She was voicing 11 different characters in that game. The whole plot of the game is that, you know, there are like like multiverses coming in and there are like five or six different Bayonettas. So, so the, yeah, that's a lot of work for twenty dollars to $25,000. Not only that, but if you want to pay that up front, fine. But all voice actors from now on should get paid for what their voice does, which means royalties. I don't know how you need to work that out. But everyone who worked on that thing and whose talent is up front and present should be getting residuals from the company that continues selling their work. That, that only makes sense to me. So, yeah, it, it, even at the highest that she could have possibly been paid, I think it's a low ball. And I would love to hear from a, you know, someone in the the, 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 the VA community who can, you know, talk about what they've made. You don't have to mention any names of projects, but it's talk about what you made, how much that thing made. And, you know, like, like what, what kind of union do you belong to if you belong to anything? Is it like a sure. SAG thing? Do they represent you? Do they try and negotiate a better rate based on how much money the project would make? Like, well, I, Hector, it, it feels fucked up. Well, Hector, to that point, spoilers, I am currently working on getting a professional voice actor on this episode so that we can have this very discussion. Because I feel like we can sit here all day and talk about the things that happened with Bayonetta. Yeah. But unless we have an actual voice actor on the show, it yeah, it, we're, we, we're, just we, we're just two dudes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we don't do voice look work. forward to that. I'm trying to lock that in, but that is something that we're going to be doing very soon. Uh, let's go ahead and move on from voice acting um, so we can get to our final set of topics. We're about at the end of the show here. Mm-hmm. And instead of doing Blizzard this week, we want to wrap up the show with a round of Microsoft news. Ah. So let's dive into that. Head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, showed off a retired Xbox prototype this week that was called Keystone. It's actually a very small white box Mm -hmm. that's dedicated to streaming games over the Xbox Cloud gaming service. Okay. Um, While there is an Xbox TV app available on new Samsung TVs, Spencer later clarified that if they do do a streaming console, it's a long way out, but not unheard of that it's yeah. probably being worked on right now yeah for sure and and i could see that you know that it would if the cloud system ends up working and they can get a box with all of the right you know numbers in it that will stream things well then yeah that'd be cool i i could really i would really like to buy what i would really like to have is a box for my tv that does game pass but unfortunately that's just a pc right. or you know an Xbox Series S or X, and I don't want either of those things. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's something that they, they have yet to get into my living room so far. Happy to have them on my PC. It's still the best deal in gaming. Yeah. Um, if you were wondering how Game Pass is doing, actually, Phil Spencer did say that their product is already profitable, mm-hmm. uh, but didn't go into specifics other than that Game Pass makes up about 15% of their con- content and services uh, revenue. New subscribers are starting to slow down, but that's after their user base jumped 159% in the last three months. And we know as of January this year, it had 25 million members. Wow. That's... That's a good number. That's a really good number. That's a that, it that's sounds like Netflix they're doing really well. Numbers. Yeah. 
No, that's huge. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, if you build it, they will come. You know, I, I think a lot of battle passes, wink, wink, and like a lot of other systems in gaming could learn from from how generous Microsoft is with the Game Pass. Yeah, like do that, do more things that make people go. It would be stupid not to buy this. You know, then that's all you have to do instead of nickel and diming people. Absolutely. Finally, in our news for the week, as we wrap this whole thing up, the UK Competition and Markets Authority has reached out on social media to get the general public's opinion on Microsoft's possible acquisition of Blizzard. Oh, God. Quote, at this point, we invite anyone, including members of the public, to share their views with us. The CMA is currently evaluating if this buyout could potentially hurt Microsoft's competitors. Um, yeah, I mean, comrades, you know what to do. Uh, and whatever your opinion on this is, like, I'm both of the opinion that uh, Activision Blizzard should definitely go under new management, management that isn't a giant piece of shit. But also, um, you know, the, con the consolidation of this much media in single hands that can do with it what they will at their leisure, and probably not a good thing. Yeah, I, it's, it's a hard discussion to have, but to be perfectly honest, I want the people who work at Activision Blizzard to be taken care of. And the best possible way to do that is for Microsoft to buy them out at this point. Yeah, and pretty it, much. And to fucking evict Bobby Kotick. Yeah, for, yeah, do that, and then I'll be, I'll be great with the deal. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's me. So that's everything we have for the news this week. Man, what a crazy week that it was. Don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg to become a patron of our show. Again, we have several episodes that have been going up over the course of the Halloween holiday, where it's been me teaching Hector all about the horror movies that I love. Oh, yeah. You've been, been loving them, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's been it's been great. It's been great. Anytime I get to, like, sit down and watch movies other people like that I haven't seen, I'm having a great time. Yeah. And I get to do that soon because oh, yeah. as soon as we wrap all of our horror segments, you're going to dive me into the world of martial arts films, which oh, I've never gonna seen. Oh, it's going to be great. You're going to see all the gems. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you can also head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us, as well as at gnggcast on Twitter because I'm always on Twitter while I'm at work because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> Until next time, audience, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game. Thank you.